I don't know if your family or in your household growing up, you have certain cookies that you have to make at Christmas time, but I know in our family, there are certain traditional cookies that are always made. I don't make them. Somebody else makes them and brings them to me from my family, which is lovely. But it's not Christmas unless we have some of these. And uh, even though they're not on that particular plate there, um, my favorites are what are called chocolate snowballs. And I don't know a lot of people that actually makes them, make them rather, um, but they're great. And, uh, and they take a little bit of time to make. And so when my sister comes, which she's coming later tonight, and I know she'll bring a big old thing of chocolate snowballs. And you know, when you have some of these chocolate snowballs at Christmas time, you don't want to eat just one because you're not going to get them again, you know, for another year. So you kind of load up on chocolate snowballs or load up on whatever cookies that you love or whatever sugar it is. And of course, when you get on the sugar high, you kind of plummet down into the sugar low and your body is craving some protein or something. It's like, please, you know, you're killing me. So I think of this when I think of Christmas because I think not only our bodies, but I think our souls long for substance. I think we long for a message of substance at Christmas. And I'm not talking about a message from me. I'm talking about a message, something that is bigger than the hurt, than the pain that we see, a world of hurt that is going on sometimes inside of us, certainly around the world. Think about the Central African Republic and right next door, South Sudan, just a world of hurt. You think of people in your own family who are wrestling and struggling, some with, with chronic pain, some with chronic mental illness, some with chronic failure. It's just a world of hurt. Earlier this morning when I was in my jazzercise class, the teacher was playing that song from Despicable Me Too called Happy. It's a great song. It's a great song to jazzercise to. And she was up there like a cheerleader saying, you know, it's Christmas Eve, and even if you've got stress and family and all this stuff, you know, it's a time to be happy. And I thought, you know, I just felt like a cheerleader up there, whether you felt like you were happy or not. You know, it's Christmas Eve. It's time to be happy. And yet, you know, everything kind of comes down. You know, pretty soon we won't have the brass playing with our songs and we won't have the Christmas lights and we won't have all the things that kind of light up this season and make it special and, and really cool. And the gifts that you spent so much money on will probably be for sale in our garage sale coming up in a few months. And, <laughs> You know, just find ourselves looking for something that has staying power. You know, what is there? Is there some substance here, really, really substantive, bigger than a world of hurt, something that lasts? That gospel reading that Ben read out of John gives us substance. There are four different ways of telling the story of Jesus in the New Testament. And Matthew tells the story about Jesus' birth pretty much from Joseph's, Joseph's perspective. And then you get to Mark, and Mark's in a big old hurry and doesn't even talk about the birth, just jumps right to Jesus as an adult. And then Luke tells long birth stories from Mary's perspective. And then you get to John, 
John is the last one written, and I wonder if John didn't struggle with some of this. Maybe they'd heard the story so much that they got numb to the substance of it. Because John doesn't start in Bethlehem. John starts at the beginning of creation. In the beginning is the way John starts. In the beginning. And when all the people that heard this gospel heard those three words, in the beginning, what's the next word they expected to hear from Genesis 1? In the beginning, God. It's exactly what they expected to hear. And John knew that. But John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning with God, the Word, Greek, is logos. For the Greek thinkers, that reason that permeated all creation, all reality, the Word in Hebrew, dabar, the Word that created all things, life, light. The rest of the Gospel of John talks a lot about darkness, mentions darkness seven times. There's all kinds of darkness, but 21 times talks about light. Yes, there's darkness, and Jesus experienced it in his death on the cross, and he died. And on the third day, he rose again. Grace upon grace upon grace. There could be no fuller substance than what we are given. In the Gospel of John, first chapter, it's so amazing, so awesome that it's poetry and it's a song. Jesus was asked by one of his disciples, Philip. Philip said, you know, Jesus, just show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. And Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus was in the beginning with God. Nobody has ever seen God, is what John says at the end. No one has ever seen God, but it's the Son, close to the Father's heart, intimate with the Father, who has made him known. Wow. That's substance. But I don't think we're just interested in how impressive this birth is. I think we do long for substance, but I think we long for substance that can actually make a difference in this world and make a difference in our own lives and give us lives of substance. I'm not talking about winning the lottery. Lives of substance. Interesting to me, a friend of mine was telling me about her granddaughter who, two and a half years old, went to see Santa to tell Santa what she wanted for Christmas. Now, last year when she went to see Santa, she was a mess, and she basically screamed her head off. But this year she was prepared she was confident. She had one thing she knew she wanted. So when she sat in Santa's lap and he asked, what do you want for Christmas? She was clear, a red tricycle. <laughs> that was it, a red tricycle. So she goes back to her parents after sitting on Santa's lap, and she looks around, and she says, where's my red tricycle? 
And I could tell the grandmother that's telling me this story was not proud of that moment. And I don't know that her daughter, the mother of this two-and-a-half-year-old, was proud of that moment either. Because it's not like that's what we want for ourselves or for our children to become these like immediate gratification consumers. You know, come on, I put in my order. Where is it? Get on it. It was striking to me a, a certain man who went to visit a friend of his who uh, had abdominal cancer, and this friend had tried all the treatments, and it was pretty clear that it was terminal, and uh, there wasn't anything they could do. And as they were having this conversation, a very poignant conversation, he said, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. But I really wish I had 10 more years without this disease. And his friend said, well, if I could give you those 10 years, what would you do with them? And he thought, he said, I would be kind. I would surprise children and give them sweets, or I'd give them presents. And he said, you know, the best moments of my life have been when I have been generous. I think we long for a life of substance like that. I think we long for that because that has been planted in us by God as we were made in the image of God, to be like God. I'm struck by those verses in the middle of this passage in John 1 where the gospel writer writes, he was in the world and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. Children of God who live generously, grace upon grace, like God, like God in the flesh in Jesus Christ. I think a lot of us around Christmas time often love to tell stories of, of Christmases from our early childhood that were meaningful to us growing up. And... Um, I was really uh, taken by one man. His name's Roy Angel. He's a Baptist pastor, and he was remembering back to a really special Christmas for him when his brother actually gave him a new car. And uh, it was a new Packard. That's a Packard right there. So he was talking about how on Christmas Day he was out front with his incredibly cool new car, and uh, walking around. A lot of the street kids in the neighborhood were there and checking out his car. And there was one in particular, this little boy from a very, very poor family, walking around the car with his jaw on the ground, so enamored with this car. And he said, he goes, how much did this cost, mister? He said, nothing. My brother gave it to me. And the boy just was even more amazed and he, just in a dream almost, started to talk. He said, I, I wish, and Roy Angel was thinking, I know what he's thinking. I wish I had a brother like that. 
And the little boy kept on talking, though. He said, I wish I could be a brother like that. That's substance. That is substance. Those who received him, believed in him, he gave power to become children of God like that. Doesn't happen of our own will or being born of the flesh. It comes from the substance of Christmas, the substance of Christmas. And it doesn't happen immediately, like getting a red tricycle right away. It happens over a lifetime, doesn't it, of growing up into this substance, receiving it over a lifetime, being fed on it over a lifetime. I think one of the most delightful things I've done in the last few weeks, which really surprised me, there was uh, at the Stanford Mall and to this day, I mean through today, a shopping station right there by Santa where you could visit Santa. It was a shop, it's a gift wrapping, I'm sorry, gift wrapping station that was set up to raise money for Home and Hope. Home and Hope is an amazing uh, ministry that houses the homeless um, in places of worship, um, and we support uh, the local Episcopal Church in this work. And so there were sign-ups online to come and gift wrap here at this station, and I love to gift wrap, and so I picked a time that I could go, which happened to be Saturday afternoon. I never in my right mind would ever be at the Stanford Mall the Saturday before Christmas. But there I was, and it was really, really cool to do that. And the gal that was organizing the whole thing, her name is Lisa Streving, and she does a lot of volunteer work for Home and Hope. And as I was talking to her, it really was striking to me because... She set up this whole thing. She was down there every day. You know, she, she basically volunteers like 15 hours a week for Home and Hope. And she's a lawyer. She's a tax lawyer. But she has seasonal kinds of times when she has some freedom, and she just believes so strongly in this. And I'm thinking, you know, that's a life of substance. She loves doing that. It brought her so much joy. She is so clear about how important Home and Hope is. And it was interesting because as we were hanging out there wrapping presents, she couldn't believe that I was there as a pastor. And she said, you know what? I don't really like Christmas Eve services. And I thought, okay. She said, you know, I just, I don't like them because the message is always, and she didn't have any words, you know, to kind of fill in the blank. And I thought, okay, maybe, you know, gospel light or something, or something that's not very substantive. And what she was trying to say was, I don't like the messages because they really don't challenge people to live lives of substance. It's just kind of like feel-good message for you to feel good instead of living into that being, that generous person you want to be, you long to be, that the substance of Christmas you long for actually takes form in your own life, and you are a person pouring out grace upon grace. You know what? That's what the Gospel of John longs for. Longing for people that not only hear this story, but, you know, at the end of his Gospel, he says, I've written all these things down so that you can believe them, but so that you can have life. So you can have life, really live. The life you've always wanted to live, the life that God created you to live. A life that's generous, 
a life that looks like Jesus Christ, a life that happens because of Jesus Christ, because of the substance of Christmas. It's all here, but it's grace, which means nobody's going to force you to take it. It's just grace. It's just there. Amen.